welcome to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. Focused on providing valuable information for anyone looking to undertake a new build or extension project. We'll share our tips, tricks and stories from a building designer's perspective. Welcome to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. I'm your host, Amelia, and once again, we've got Frank Geskus. Hello, everyone. Yes, building designer extraordinaire. Extraordinaire? <laughs> <laughs> Depends who you talk to. Business mogul. Oh, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a special guest here today, Toby Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. And today we're going to be talking about something that we don't talk about often and often people don't think about this topic, but we're going to be talking about energy. Yeah, Th- thermal performance assessors. Correct. Yes, that's how it's r- rightly termed. We call you the energy guys, the energy gurus, <laughs> art of black magic with, you know, uh, why does this house work thermally really well and other ones don't? The guy that produces the tick. The so big tick. Okay. Yeah, everything's all right. <laughs> yep. You're allowed to build that house. Yeah, yeah. for sure. No, it's good. It's um, it's it's an interesting subject, and it's something that yeah, like you say, we don't talk about too often. So it's nice to get together and and maybe um, spread the word a little bit, uh, give people a bit more insight into what we do and how we do it. And yeah, I suppose more importantly, why it's important. And also, the government's pushing very hard for it as well. Certainly, yeah, and, and and the national or the Australian um, building codes—they're mm. pushing real hard. So, how did you get started in it? Well, I suppose like um, many people that started with thermal performance assessors, um, it was it was a very niche subject to start with. Um, I started fifteen odd years ago, a little bit longer maybe, um, and my father was a designer and. Um, he, we sort of saw, I suppose, the writing on the wall with energy efficiency that it was starting to um, you know, come into regulation. At the time, we had five-star assessments. Um, and I thought, well, look, I think this is an area that um, we need to get into, and, and especially in Tasmania and Victoria, especially, it, it's an area that makes a big difference to your house. If you're in a... Oh, we know it. <laughs> you're Whether you wear two jumpers inside or wear none. Correct. And then in the in the summer, you know, it's a difference between a, you're sweating all yeah. the time and you're trying to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, it goes the other way. <laughs> you know, the other way. So um, we saw a need for that um, starting to happen and, and with the government sort of bringing in regulation around it, you know, it made sense to start moving into it. But for me, it started as a, like... You said earlier, Frank, a, a side hustle. Yeah. You know, um, something that I, I, I think it's how we all started in a lot of ways, just a bit of side hustle. I know, right? And and I think it was, it was like you say as well, it was, it was a good business to start as a side hustle because we could um, sort of dip our feet in it, um, have a go at it, learn it, understand it, and mainly do it of an evening and um, of a weekend and things like that. And at the start, we only had a handful of, people that we did work for and um and that over the years that progressed i had a few um changes in in my work life that um pushed me towards uh going into this more full time um to the point now where we're yeah like i say we're 15 years down the track and we've got six 
thermal assessors now um, and a geothermal engineer. And Which is pretty wild. I can't wait to explain that one later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and... and, um, and now we have we work for for a lot of different building designers, architects. We see thousands of house plans, you know, over the time, and um, and really our we see our job as not just um, being able to tick the box for regulation point of view, but really to try and educate people into understanding what we do, why it's important, uh, and then how they can use that to their benefit. You know, how they can build a, a better house um, that is thermally more comfortable year-round, uh, but also is cheaper to run, um, has a lot um, more health characteristics about it so that it's it's a nicer place to be in, you know, that you don't get stuffy and, you know, things like that that um, are probably a little more subconscious but really important to the, to the overall health of the house. Yeah, and health of its occupants. 100%. You know. And uh, I talk about thermal comfort, uh, especially I know with my wife, she uh, very adamant in getting the temperature just right in the house. Yes, you know, regardless of everyone else in the house. Yes, yep. I do. I do laugh actually in the office because um, all of our regulation is built on twenty one degrees. Yes, and I've found that um, twenty one degrees isn't quite enough in the winter for most. Wives. You're dead right there. <laughs> 23 to 24 seems yeah. to be the And that's why I'm on shorts and a T-shirt in the middle of winter. <laughs> You've yep. obviously learned that happy wife, happy life does really fit the bill. A hundred percent. Oh, yes. okay. Especially with thermal comfort. Definitely. Yes. Yep. Very good. Yep. You've learnt very quickly and very well. Congratulations. Oh, quickly, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure about really quickly. I've literally been married for 29 years. <laughs> and you're still learning. Yep. Every damn day. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I'm with you with that one. <laughs> but at least I'm learning. Well, that's good. Maybe not listening, but I'm learning. <laughs> Speaking of learning, let's, let's go back to the topic at hand. Toby, what about... Going back to the basics, what are the things that, you know, clients that come in looking to build, say, a new house, what are the things that they can look at to improve their thermal efficiency? That's a good question. Um, there's, there's obviously a, a few um, simple things that we can all do um, to help that. And then from that point, we, I suppose, increase in complexity as it you know, goes on. But the simple things are um, air tightness is really important for a, for a house um, in general. And a lot of that comes down to the build quality. When we have the builder come in and they start to put things together, how they construct the house is really important. Um, the design of the house is, is also really important. Um, and that's something that we don't have control over and we don't, we're not good at design. We're good at thermal assessing. But um, there is a a vast difference between a, a, a really nice, well-designed house and a, a poorly designed house and how that unfolds, I suppose, for, for the occupants themselves. Um, other than that, uh, there's quite a few things that are starting to come on the market uh, that can help with the, the um, overall health of the house. Um, I think we were in a meeting just recently in Launceston with the guys that did the, um, the passive... Uh, I'm just trying to remember what it was called now. Passive um, house? 
No, not the passive house. We we're talking about the ventilation systems. Oh, the heat heat um, recovery ventilation. Heat recovery ventilation, yeah. right? I'm a big um, fan of that. Uh, same. It's it's a fantastic product. Um, it can help to heat and cool your house as well. Um, it's inexpensive in relative terms to you know, the whole house package, and we should probably put a link to that somewhere in the yeah. We'll be able to do that. Um, podcast. We'll, we'll have links on our website with uh, uh, our articles. So yeah, hundred percent right. Uh, depending how you do the heat recovery system, like say mm. it can heat itself, and you need minimal uh, kilowatts in your. Well, we use re, re, a lot of reverse cycle in the house. Mm. You can actually reduce it massively. Oh, hundred percent. And it, it's a really, really good product, you know. And I think that that's going to start growing in in that space a lot. Um, other than that, and and obviously with our simple terms of uh, insulation and you know the normal things that go into the house. Really, we start to lean a, a very heavily upon windows. And windows, I sort of sound like a, a harping <laughs> maniac sometimes about windows, but it really, really does come down to um, the performance of the windows and the, the construction of those windows really does make a, a huge difference. Um, glass itself is very insulative, um, especially when we get to double glazing. Um, even just a generic double glazed unit rates really, really well on its own. It's only when we add the frame that we pull that performance down. Because yeah, generic aluminium frames and the heat transfers Correct. really, really well. Yep, exactly right. So a, a good way I've always um, explained it to people that have hard time sort of understanding the concept is that if you um, stuck a steel poker in the fire, you could hold that for a certain amount of time and then you'd have to let it go. If you had the same poker but it was timber and you stuck that in the fire, you can basically burn to nothing before you have to let it go. Mm. Um, so that's the difference between that heat transfer and steel just, or, or aluminium in this case most of the time, it transfers heat so fast um, that it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And also, that's why you've got all these different types. You've got the thermal brakes. You've got two bits of aluminium with yep. with a thermal brake in the middle. Correct. You've got the timber, timber aluminium. Yes. Uh, PVC. Yep. Fiberglass. I've seen some steel frames, but that's more for that architectural look inside the house. Yeah, steel's, steel's really interesting. And um, steel actually uh, rates quite well. Does it really? Surprisingly, yeah. Um, and it's all to do with the frame thickness. So when we get a steel frame section, um, we can get down to four or five millimetres of steel that's showing around the edge, and they use like a, um, an angle, you know, yeah. as, as the frame. Um, because of that small surface area, we don't get a lot of... Um, oh, because it's such a reduced surface area yeah. exposure. Yeah, right. Yeah. So with an aluminium frame, you have a look at home if, you, if you're following along you would notice that the frame on most aluminium windows is quite wide because aluminium is a softer metal, so it needs a little bit more robustness to hold it all together. And therefore, that more surface area just transmits more, more heat or, or cool or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I've always found that fascinating. But then you look at PVC windows and they're ginormous they frames. Yeah. They're big and chunky. Yep. Um, yep. But that's that European design as well and they can handle um, putting triple glaze in them. Yes. You know, where we haven't really gone triple glaze much in Australia. Not yet, no. Yeah, it, and I suppose that's going to come... It comes down to economics too, doesn't it? Mm. I think um, it, it, you hit the nail on the head, with, with, especially when it comes to windows. 
we have some really large factories in Australia that pump out a lot of pretty much the bulk of windows that are used and they're they're predominantly um, aimed at aluminium and they have been for a lot of years so until we start to see that move um, to other alternatives I think that um, it's hard for that ship to move you know to turn around very much I remember when I built my first house uh, nearly 20 years ago and a single glaze was it mm. if you can go double glaze oh man you're wealthy. I work my budget so I can get double glaze just in my living area because that's where most yep. of the heat loss was. And uh, I was able to afford that at the time and I thought, wow, and now it's just common as. But it did make a massive difference. Yeah, It was crazy. And yeah, you go definitely. to different parts of the house, you can actually feel the difference. But on really cold nights, standing next to the window, it's the frame... You can feel the coldness of the frame. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And it's a it's a cool experiment to do if you're at home. You know, where you can you can just rub put your hand close to it, and you'll feel that cold air starting to pour off it. Yeah, yeah. Or if you get those minus four nights or something, we were getting condensation on the inside of our frames. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's another really big issue, especially in Tassie condensation oh, huge. Um, a lot of people deal with it every year still um, whether it be an old home and and a lot of new homes still suffer condensation issues and there are some things that we can do to help that um, we, we, we might actually talk about that for a second if you like yeah go for it <laughs> well, it's, right. it's kind of the buzzword at the moment in our whole yeah, industry because I've got so many people struggle with this Builders are crapping themselves, to be honest with it, because yep. they've seen the videos of people's houses where the condensation's ruined the house, mm. yet they've built it as per the specs mm. and as per the building code. I know. And I, I, look, it takes me back to a couple of years ago when I, oh, probably four years now, it always feels like two years, but it's probably longer, um, I was called uh, to have a look at this house. Um, the occupants were had been quite ill. They'd been in and out of hospital, and they had a really bad condensation issue. And, um, and the, the builder had actually been um, taken to court over the, the build and the occupants had won. Um, and I was going in afterwards to help try and work out the condensation issue in the house. And what it did for me was it um, really landed home how important this condensation issue really is. Um, there were a family of four and sure enough, they were, they were still ill when I was there um, they had black mould on the ceilings. Um, the, the windows were just pouring water off them, and it was it was in a really bad way. Um, and and the occupants were in a really bad way as well. Um, and so for me, walking into that situation, I didn't have anything to do with the the building before that. We were just sort of there to try and help um, come to a con- conclusion or a solution. Um, and there was a series of things that we found during that process that uh, that helped fix that house. Um, that house, we got condensation through it free in three months. Um, it took a lot of drying. It took a lot of, you know, extra work, a lot of fanning. A lot of testing stuff. too. A lot of testing, yep. And <clears throat> even to the point, the ceilings had dropped in, in two of the rooms. Yeah. You know, they got so... The, the bats in the ceiling were so heavy yeah. it actually dropped the ceiling. Yeah, I've seen the same thing and the, the nails are just pushing through the plastic yeah. because they've got so wet and the yeah, sheer weight of it. Yeah, it's kind of scary, you know. Oh, crazy. Um, it's the mould that's the scariest thing. Yeah, the, that black mould, like, it, it doesn't even look that, in, you know, intrusive, but it 
but what it does to the air and to then to the occupants with their lungs, it's it's really it's terrible. Yes. Um. So we um yeah we we ended up fixing that. Um. But what what that process sort of showed for us was just how important the condensation issue is in a real term you know because we talk about a lot you know when we're talking about condensation management on plans we talk about it in our in our ratings you know it comes up but when you attach it to a real life a real world scenario it starts to i suppose have more meaning it hits home really hard especially when people become sick yeah definitely it's, it's you can't understand the the pain they're going through no and for a long time they didn't know what was making them sick either Mm. you know so they were doctors and trying to work it out you know and they're telling you this story about how this process that they've gone through and then they realized it was actually the house making them sick you know um and one of the major issues um especially in houses built i suppose up to 2010 um you know like so you call it semi-modern homes yeah um, is the introduction to air conditioners. Yes. Um, it, that's, or reverse-cycle air conditioners. Um, that has really caused such an exponential rise in our issues with condensation. Um, and it's mostly because we get to winter in Tasmania, everyone closes their doors, they close their windows, um, and they turn their AC on um, to heat the area, and all we're really doing is just recycling air, you know. It's going in, coming back out. And if we don't ever purge the air out of the building or, or clean the air, then all we're doing is just recycling dirty air. Dirty air. Dirty right? air. That's and right. that dirty air starts to get um, condensation or, or moisture. Yeah, humidity it. levels, the moisture yep. in the air increases over yep. time. I read um, somewhere that when we sleep, we on average, we let out about five litres of of water into the air per yeah. human per mm. night which is like a crazy amount that sounds disgusting <laughs> if i'm honest it's <laughs> awful let's not go there any further. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just touch on it we'll keep moving but um that 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 moisture has to go somewhere and if we don't if we're not removing that on purpose or we're we're not dealing with that issue then all we're doing is we're just cycling it around so, so. you keep breathing in the dirty air with the moisture's come from you and you're sucking it straight in. Sounds yeah. delightful. <laughs> so the moral of the story is to open your windows? It is. And, it, it, like, that's one of the – such a simple thing. And we call it purging. Yeah. You know? And um, these particular people, when we, we worked with them, we put them on a purge schedule so that we made sure that they were opening and closing all of the windows in the house at least twice a day. And that's probably slightly excessive um, – because they had a, a larger problem. But in general terms, trying to cycle that air and getting it moving, you know, is, is really important. Because the other thing that's happening as well that's working against us is that um, at the moment we're tightening buildings up. Yeah, it's know, bushfire rigs and all that. Yeah. Right? So everywhere we're getting this air tightness and we're getting it controlled more and more and more, which is great because the more we can control our internal environment, the better we can heat and cool it and things like that but if we don't have in mind that um, we need to deal with that air properly then we cause ourselves problems oh 100 percent yeah you know i lived at my very first house was about 100 years old wonderful you know 14 foot ceilings doors with huge gaps the windows that rattled at night and all the rest of it 
and going to sleep and you could see yourself breathing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, oh, I got a lot of Tasmanian winters in <laughs> these old joints with no insulation. But that building would have leaked so much. Yeah, we never had a problem. Correct, right? <laughs> but, you know, when we started our first kid, you know, you want to keep yep. the room warm and all yes. that. And, um, you know, croup and all that. So you've got steamers going and all sorts <laughs> yep. of stuff like that. Yep. Yet the buildings were able to... It, it, Got rid of the moisture. Yeah. Was, oh, and back then too, we, we probably had a wood fire. Oh, right? yeah, monster one. Okay. Yeah. So you crank up the wood fire, it heats the air, and it and it literally just burns most things out. Then you've got lots of leakage, so yeah. that air gets circulated, right, which means you've got to start your wood fire up early in the morning because yes. it's cold again. Yeah. But that process actually kept us a pretty healthy home. Um yeah, and people don't look at it that way, do they? No, no, it's, an it's really interesting concept. how wood heaters perceive. Wood heaters are starting to get a bit more po- popularity here again, mm. like pellet heaters and stuff yep. too. Yeah, so it's interesting. I never thought of the fire actually burning up the moisture. Yeah, yeah, and so with um with the new version of wood fires, we'll call them. Um, yeah. There's quite a lot of different. Um, things now that you can get that help this process, um, such as insulated flues, um, um, vents that let air in, yep. so that because the wood fire for it to actually burn needs to, obviously needs a lot of oxygen to go yep. into it, um, so it can draw that air, heat it up, yep. you know, and we can use it, and that process is is actually quite healthy for us. You know, it's a good way of producing heat now. It's a lot more work than just pressing a button, mate. Certainly. Well, work. well, I've pressed a button because I went from that to a brand new home. Press a button, it's happy days. Yeah, I know. Well, I can turn mine on with my phone, yeah, right? So. I know. I mean, lots of convenience. Forget yeah. about putting on the fire. That's too much work. <laughs> so true. My, well, my house still, is, still leaks pretty badly, okay. so <laughs> it's healthy. But, um, but it's, I suppose when we're starting to move into this um, new condensation phase i suppose because like government's right onto it at the moment uh, i had a meeting with um the government late last year and well, i was talking to them about seven star because tasmania is not taking on seven star anymore but that's partly due to the condensation correct regs aren't resolved yeah so they they said that their biggest concern right now is that we're still building homes that um can have condensation and it's not every home, and that's the thing that they're most worried about because they're saying, well, okay, we're building them very similar, you know, um, but some have the problems, some don't. Why is that? So the University of Taz has been engaged for another condensation study. Another one. Another one. They'd be loving that, wouldn't they? Well, that three? It keeps them moving. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's a bit more specific now. Yeah? Because, they look, the guys here did a great job on the last one. Yes. It was great. So hopefully that expands on that study. Yeah, so I, I dug into it a little Well, I tried to dig into it a yeah. little bit because they're quite guarded with what they talk Are about. They? But, uh, yeah. A little political. Oh, <laughs> really? I couldn't imagine that. <laughs> Who would have thought? But they... Um, they They've sort of said that uh, they, they would like to have, um, out of this next study, more construction detail. So the last one was more about conceptual things, you know, what we should and shouldn't do and what we could try to minimise and things like that. And to be fair, it was good because it yeah. made us 
educate us a bit more. Correct. On yep. that, and everyone's talking about it in the industry, mm. um, and that's good. I, th- I think that's where it has to be, so we're aware. Definitely. But I had an instance today where they don't get, like classic example, uh, put the isolation up in your roof, having the gap to your roof sheeting. Yep. Not shoving it straight hard up against the roof sheeting. Yes. It it's been fine for years, but the thing, our buildings have changed. The way we operate the buildings has changed. Yep. It says you cannot do it the old way anymore. Yep. You have to follow putting it under the batten or put a vented batten. Vented, yeah. A yep. vented batten on top of the other batten. That's right, yeah. And I think um, out of uh, this next study, that's the idea, is to expand on those sort of details so that we have a, a, a better range of do's and don'ts, but more specific to say, you know, okay, this is, this is the particular roof, this is exactly how we do it, and we're just building on what we've already got. Um, which, which is good. Has anyone studied the New Zealand standards? Because they've gone through a lot of this pain as well. I feel like uh, I feel like sometimes we should study that a bit more because they've been through the same pain. In worse, they yeah. had a horror show, didn't they? They did. They did, and yeah. they've done a lot of work. Yeah, um, and and they've got their houses to a point now where they are quite healthy mm. and that they're they're going well. Um, so it's yeah. Look, it's a bit of a journey that we're going on. It, um, Victoria is committed to seven star. They're yes, going to as New South Wales. As New South Wales, yes, and it and it um, it'd be in, really interesting to see how that goes because from our perspective, um, seven star is is quite a stretch from six. Like because it's not a straight linear change; it's exponential. Not. It's a bell curve. Yeah, bell curve, <laughs> really, yeah. and it's it's it's. Um, it's, it's a huge jump, really, from six to seven. And a lot of the buildings that we've been um, assessing over the last couple of years um, that meet six, there's, there's actually probably no way they'll get to seven, you know, um, exactly realistically. Right. Yeah. It, it's yeah. going to be pretty um, challenging for some of them, especially the size and the types of houses mm. that, that, that are being designed and the expectations of the clients. Because mm. we all know that the bigger the house you build, the harder to meet that star rating. Correct, correct. So that's 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 the other curve that happens is that um, if you are doing a, a single bedroom unit, it might be in a multi-storey development, um, you'll get credits for that, um, which are done in the background. Um, so you'll meet the minimum six or seven star quite easily. But then as we build, <laughs> we go to a single dwelling and we yeah. get bigger, yep. it gets much harder to, to meet that that standard so. and, and we've experienced that firsthand you know it's mm. uh, or you've helped us with a couple of projects with yep. some really some well, real challenging ones oh some real challenging ones and when we told them the type of windows we had to put in um, and they were extraordinarily expensive mm. in proportion to the house yep hence then we went into performance solutions yes thank you so much for coming in today Toby we might wrap up part one And if you'd like to listen to part two, stay tuned, everyone, because it will be coming to the airwaves very shortly. See you next time, guys. You're listening to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. 